last week, we learned that the uh, in chapter 4, we learned that the Thessalonians were confused and had a lot of questions about Christ's second coming. Uh, what was going to happen to those who died before Christ arrived again and comes again? And Paul discusses the, the, the comfort of Christ's coming. In chapter 4, four beginning from verse 16, there's three elements that are brought up. Uh, Jesus our Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And it says, and that the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, we should be comforted and excited by the reality, the facts, and the events of his coming as Christians. We will be in the presence of our great God. Can you imagine that? It's going to be a great reunion for many of us, for the saved. Uh, Jesus is bringing with him, we learn, those that we have loved and who have died in the Lord before he returns, or before he returns. And so, uh, in, in notice in verse 15, he says they are asleep. And, and many times in the scriptures, the death of a saint is referred to they fell asleep. And, and when you think about it, for a Christian, how pleasant it is to think about I go to sleep, and when I wake up, I'm in the presence of God. What an exciting thing. What a thing to, as we approach that time, if we have time to think about it, how great it is to know we just fall asleep, and when we wake up, we're in the presence of God. Uh, now, the, uh, now, our comfort comes from the fact that it assumes that we are prepared for it. Uh, whether we are with those who died before he comes uh, or in that group that uh, who will be alive when he returns. Now, Paul wasn't finished with information regarding the return of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, one out of every eight verses has something to do with Christ returning. And in uh, 2 Thessalonians, Three out of every eight verses have something to have some reference to the Lord's coming, second coming. Why do you think he did that? Why was that important? Well, it is extremely important because it's a practical truth and it's central to his message. It is so important to us as Christians and our lives, you and me, what's going to happen when the Lord returns and whether we, are, uh, uh, we die before he returns or after he returns. Now, the most important objective in our life that we should have and goal is to get to heaven. The second most important thing in our life that we should be doing is helping others get to heaven. Never forget that. We have uh, uh, so many ways that we can help people get to heaven. Now, uh, so the question comes up, uh, are we prepared? Will he find us ready when he comes? 
will we be ready if, if we die before he comes? You know, whether we are dead or alive, when he returns is not important. What is important is whether or not we're ready. And, and so let's read now in the first 11 verses. And tonight we'll go over the first 11 verses, and, and Lord willing, we will do the remaining uh, uh, verses uh, next week. Now, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So, you know, in verse 1 of this chapter, many want to know, the, would like to know the exact day of his coming. Um, Nothing new about that. In Luke, the 21st chapter, uh, we learn that while he was still on earth, do you remember who I was asking him, uh, when shall these things happen, talking about the return? And that was his own disciples, his apostles. Uh, you know, these verses that, we, we just, that I just read tell of the, uh, actually, uh, uh, there are, uh, in those chapters, by the way, in Luke, that 21st chapter, it talks about the coming destruction of Jerusalem and the coming of the Son of Man and how important it is in that verse, in that chapter 21, to be prepared for that day. Uh, now, many have set the date for the end of the world and, uh, and the Lord's coming, and all have been wrong. That happens just about every year. Uh, and, and there was, as a matter of fact, this year, there was recently, in the last couple of months, a prophet that made a lot of, uh, so-called prophet, a lot of news that uh, he was returning on such and such a day about a couple of months ago. And, of course, that didn't happen, and we're not surprised about that. Now, so that it happens then, thousands of years ago, and it happens today. Now, what are some possible reasons why God does not tell us the exact day of his return. Maybe it was probably try to live for Jesus Christ, you know, right at the last. That seems to be human nature, doesn't it? We gamble. Uh, uh, you know, if, if, uh, yeah, I think there would be a, a lot of negative consequences in society. You know, we see this in Second Thessalonians. What did they do? A lot of the, the people, they quit work. So you see consequences. One of the things why God didn't tell us 
is you see the consequences of a negative negative nature in in society. Uh, and a lot of us would roll the dice. Let me rephrase that. There are many who would roll the dice that they wouldn't die before he comes, but they would know a few days before and try to play that, that then they would commit to being faithful to God you know, the day before he was to return. Uh, uh, so it, there would be a you know, negative impact and there would be p people playing, playing, rolling the dice and playing that game. Uh, it, it would not truly honor God. Uh, you, and you cannot play games successfully with God. Uh, foolish to play that kind of game. Uh, your and my eternal destiny is at stake. Now, in this last chapter of this first letter, uh, he gives us, Paul does, he gives us uh, information on how Christians can be preparing for Christ's coming. We read in verses 2 and 4, as well in 2 Peter, the third chapter, verses 10, that he shall come as a thief, in the night. Uh, his coming will be a surprise for, no, for most, but not for others. Uh, his coming will be unannounced. It's going to be unexpected. Uh, but you know what? It's not going to be quiet, sneaky, and hidden. And in and, and chapter uh, 4, well, actually, 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, verse 7. The scriptures say that Jesus, when he comes, he will be coming with his angels. It says his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Uh, when I think of a mighty angel, you know, there's a lot of, we all have our images of what an angel might look like. When God talks about a mighty angel, I think of what that angel, one angel that we read about in 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 35. One angel of the Lord over one night killed 185,000 soldiers, enemies of Israel. When these angels come, when Jesus returns with his mighty angels, for us, it will be joyful. For the rest of humanity, it will be Horrible. His mighty angels are coming with taking vengeance. And so uh, we've got work to do. And we've got a lot of people that we need to reach out to and we need to make uh, the preparations that are necessary and stay faithful. Now, uh, you know, we generally like surprises and as long as they're good surprises, aren't we? Uh, but the, uh, we like surprises as long as they're good surprises, not bad surprises. Now, that day that Jesus returns will not surprise those who believe the warnings in Scripture. We will be ready for His coming, even though we don't know when it's going to be. Uh, we take His admonitions and His warnings seriously. You and I, we have examined the evidences, the scriptures, the unity of the Bible is factual accuracy, factual prophecy, the scientific foreknowledge in the Bible, the design and nature, the universe, and even our own physical bodies. 
and we have Christ as man and we see him as God. We see his miracles. We see his resurrection from the dead. And there, you could go on and on from Christian evidences. But we believe based on the evidences that God has given us. And it's not some pie in the sky. We have believed based on the undeniable evidences that God has given us. So, we should always be watching for his return. Uh, not in the dark, but in the light. We've got to stay in the light. Uh, we're, as Christians, we're looking forward to his return, and we are expecting it. Uh, when you look at some of the uh, readings in the scripture with the apostles, they were excited about his coming return, and they expected it. Uh, and so should we. We should be excited that he's coming again. Uh, it, really, we should wake up in the morning. Is this the day that our Lord is going to come and we meet him in the sky? Is this the day? Uh, uh, is he going to take me home to his Father in heaven today? Uh, and what a wonderful day that's going to be for us. What a wonderful day. I think many times we're, we're fearful even like the non-Christians or the, the unfaithful. We maybe have a dread. It's a great day for Christians. It is a wonderful day. We should, you know, the sky, wasn't it beautiful today? Blue. We should be looking at there, is this the day he's coming to take us to our home in eternity? It's exciting. Uh, uh, so, so uh, uh, now, you compare that with those who are spiritually lost that are in darkness. How sad. You and I, we've got a lot of work to do, as I mentioned a little earlier, to get out the message, the good tidings of Jesus. Now, uh, that day, as I've mentioned, will result the saddest thing in our experience in inescapable destruction for most uh, he's going to come when when people are saying peace and safety he will come in peaceful times not troublesome times we learn in verse 3 and how little people know about the danger to their souls uh, it's like the false prophets we read about in Jeremiah 6.14 saying peace peace. And in just a short period of time, Judah and Jerusalem would soon be destroyed. Uh, uh, isn't it, it kind of interesting that, that he says he will come when people are saying peace and safety? It's kind of interesting to me, and I'm one of them, uh, at times uh, we seem to think when things are really getting bad in the world, this is the Lord is returning. You know, this has got to be the time. But the scriptures say, when people are thinking peace and safety. So it's uh, maybe when things are really good out there, that's when we want to uh, be uh, thinking this could be the day. Now, uh, uh, in Second Thessalon the, the uh, Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 7 to 10, it says Jesus will come with, with sudden destruction. He compares it to a pregnant woman with 
her labor pains. And uh, why is that? <laughs> I don't know much about that, but... Uh, uh, and that's what the author, one of the books, uh, one of the studies I was looking at, the first contraction comes suddenly and unexpected. And uh, I wouldn't know about that, but that that's, I think, why that, it, it's described that way. Uh, no time or no escape this destruction. You know, one of the saddest, if not the saddest, truth is, is that most will not, as I mentioned again earlier, will not enter heaven. No one in, escapes the sentencing. Uh, only two destinations in eternity, heaven and hell. Uh, now, do you think God takes joy in the truth that most will not enter heaven? I'm saying no, and, and that's the correct answer. You know, Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, verse 11 says that as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the depth of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your wicked ways. Luke 19, the 41st chapter, or uh, verse 41, uh, now as he drew near, he being Jesus, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. He knew he was sorrowful and he wept over the fact that his people, the Jewish people, in this case in the Jerusalem, who he loved, neglected the opportunities that God had given them. And that soon over a million Jewish people would be destroyed and killed, and others, many more others, taken into captivity by Roman soldiers. Jesus wept over it. That tells you how much and to what extent they've gone to, they being the Son and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit, to get us to heaven. Uh, you know, the horror of hell... I think, among others, is the complete darkness. No moon, no sun. In eternity, those who choose to disobey God will never, ever experience light again. Can you imagine the horror of being in complete darkness and it will never end. And that's why you can say the weeping, or God could say the weeping and the gnashing of teeth because there's nothing but horror. So, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, God, again, has done everything for his special creation, including the death of his only son, in order for us to get to heaven.
no one can again legitimately say you didn't warn us. Uh, he truly loves each human being. But his holy nature is such that he cannot have in his presence those who choose to be disobedient, uh, who refuse to do what he says is necessary to come into my home. Uh, again, but it doesn't have to end. That's the good, the good news is it doesn't have to end that way. Uh, we Again, we have a lot of work to do to share the gospel. So, we, it's a day of joy, glory for those who are ready, those who are now asleep in Jesus, and those who are prepared. Uh, now, what will this day mean for you and me and every other human being when he comes again? A day of destruction or a day of joy and happiness? Now, it depends, again, on whether or not we're prepared. And... and to be prepared requires that we have the right behavior and conduct in our life. So we are given information along those lines in verses 5 through 11 of this chapter. Uh, proper, pre proper preparation, among other things, includes living as sons and or daughters, but as sons of the day. And that includes, one thing, is being watchful. Uh, don't just drift through the days. Uh, we should always be watching for his return. Uh, we are sons of the light and day, not of the night or darkness. Sons indicates what? And you could also put there that is gender neutral in that sense, sons and daughters. Uh, it indicates what? A personal, close relationship with God. Uh, what a blessing. God wants a relationship with you and me. Uh, it's important to Him, and it should be important to us to have that kind of relationship. John 8, 12 says, Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In Romans 13, 12, it says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, Therefore what? Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. When we are out of the darkness and live in the light, we have a assurance, a comforting assurance, and a peaceful assurance. Uh, we know what? We know our sins are forgiven. Uh, we know there's a life to come. We know that we have eternal Life in heaven. When I, you know, when I was studying for this and thinking of living in the light, some of the things that come to my mind is I think of spiritual knowledge, hope. I think of joy. I think of a coming reunion with the loved ones that we we have that have died before us. I think of heaven. I think of preparation. I think of no tears uh, or sadness. I think we are right now will be in the presence of God himself. A Christian can have a good night's sleep knowing at the end of the day it's all going to turn out well. Thanks 
the, the God. Uh, now, watchfulness also includes prayer. First uh, Peter, the fourth chapter, verse 7, says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Any Christian who neglects daily prayer loses one of the most important benefits of being a Christian. Daily prayers are essential to having a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. When you look at the examples of Jesus, he, we're reminded or we're told many, many times how he would pray and many times he would go away to be alone and pray. He wanted that time with his Father. Uh, and and we, uh, we need to take advantage of that. It is uh, uh, God encourages it. Yeah, it it draws us when we have a a really good prayer life. We become much closer to God. We become, I'll use the term, um, much. We feel, I feel, and I think we we all do, feel more of a friend to God when. Uh, we spend a lot of time in prayer. You just get it; just comes over time. The more time you spend in prayer, the closer you get to God. Uh, it's been my experience, uh, uh, and we even become more dependent upon Him, and that's what He wants. Uh, he answers our prayers in ways that is best for us. It may be a yes. It may be a no. And it may be a not yet uh, or not now. Uh, but there's no better way to start today is with the prayer and no better way to end of the day is with, with prayer. And the other thing is God never gets tired of listening to us. Uh, you know, if we had an invitation to call the President of the United States, whether it's Obama, Trump, or whoever, uh, 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 and we had an open invitation for to get that person's advice, the president's advice, or to help us with something that we need uh, or is you know, something that's bothering us and we would uh, want him to take care of it, uh, we would probably be calling the White House fairly consistently. Uh, how much greater is an open invitation to communicate on a daily basis with the God of heaven? Uh, you know, watching also includes watching out for each other. Uh, it's important to encourage Christians, other Christians, to talk to them, to visit with them, uh, be a friend to them, invite them to lunch. Uh, you know, there's an amazing amount of talent within this congregation and some really sweet and kind and interesting people here. A lot of Fun, a lot of people here that, that we have fun with. Uh, so that's one of the blessings of being a Christian. Uh, you know, it also includes watching out is not being consumed with the things in this world. Be thankful for, for what God has loaned us and be good stewards of it. Uh, uh, don't let things become more important to us than our relationship with God, whether it's money or things or whatever it is. Don't let that come before God. Uh, 
You know, one thing we learned in verse 6 of chapter 5, one thing that the children of light should not do, uh, and and we we let us not sleep spiritually when we're still alive. Uh, don't become lax or careless or let our guard down, which is easy to do. You know, and what typically happens, and you is someone who's been faithful in attendance at church. And I'm not talking about someone that may have some health issues, but begins to miss service occasionally. And then it gets to be more consistent. And before long, you find that they're not even coming to church anymore. It's usually a slow decline. It just doesn't happen overnight. And so we, we can't let our guard down for becoming lax because there's, there's always the chance that as strong as one might be at one time, we can without being continuing to be diligent, we, we may get careless. Uh, and, and over time, we, we, we uh, uh, start spending time with ungodly people, and, and, and that further draws us away. So times, we spend more time in church uh, and, and with Christians. Uh, we build each other up and make us strong. Now, you know, the world is watching over terrorists. Uh, Christians are primarily watching out for and at war with a more powerful adversary than terrorists, and that's Satan. He hates God. He hates God's children. That's you and me. He doesn't tell you the rest of the story. God tells you the whole story. Satan doesn't tell you the rest of the story. Never let our guard down. You know, First uh, Peter 5, uh, the 5th chapter, uh, verse 8 says, Be watchful, be sober, because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need protection and weapons, and Christ and God provide that to us. In, chapter, in verse 8 of chapter 5, we talks about the Christian armor. Now, and we read more about those details in Ephesians 6 chapter, verses 11 through 8. But he talks about the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of faith, and, and love protects our heart from evil thoughts and keeps us watching for his return. A helmet is described as the hope of salvation. And that's because it protects our mind uh, from fear and doubt, uh, as does the Word of God. And... You know, faith comes from what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, so the admonition there is we need to spend more time in the Bible, in the scriptures, and reading and hearing the word of God every day. It's important to, to meditate upon his words. Uh, it's our weapon. Uh, uh, you know, in the military, we consistently... They're out on the target range shooting, practicing shooting, practicing, and so forth. That's what we should be doing as Christians is, is diligently uh, uh, stay in reading the scriptures and daily prayer. Now, in verses 9 and 10 of this fifth chapter, uh, we're appointed unto 
there's an appointment appointed, and it's salvation. Christ's death is a perfect guarantee of salvation that even death itself cannot rob us. Whether faithful Christians are alive or dead, when he returns, we shall live with him. Our fellowship is not interrupted by either life or death. We will not fear the judgment day. Our sins have been taken away. They have been laid on Jesus, not on us. And so it makes no, no difference in our fellowship whether we have died in our sleep. Uh, uh, and it's kind of nice when you think about a Christian falling asleep. Again, I, I like that. Falling asleep and he wakes up in heaven. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we, uh, we're going to live with him. Now, in verse 11, there's two things that the Thessalonians are to do for each other. And that's to comfort and edify each other. It's a very comforting passage for the saved. Not for others, but for those who are saved. Only those who are watching for that day will not be surprised, uh, but will find comfort. The uh, so we can comfort and receive edification through His Word. Now, Christians, we're not to be self-centered. Uh, that is focused on ourselves. Uh, that disappoints God, and that's not His will for us. We're to be focused on others. You and I should be, and hopefully are, actively engaged in comforting and edifying, building up our brothers and sisters in the church. It just so happens today as I was studying for this lesson, I get a text from someone in this audience by the name of Janice, and and she sent Carrie and I a text to encourage us, and it, thank you very much, about she knew it would be a good lesson and, and was looking forward to the lesson. She was very encouraging. That's what Christians do. For each other, uh, you know. So, what are some other ways we can comfort each other with the word? That that means we have to know the word, uh, but it builds faith and hope and provides comfort. Uh, we can comfort each other with the church. Uh, and that's one of the primary works of the church is 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 edifying and building up the saints, uh, and that's where we express love among each other, and where Comfort and building up uh, is experienced by the members. Uh, we have an obligation to help others. God expects it, and we receive great personal benefits when we do it ourselves. You and I are blessed when we bless others. Uh, you know, edification, again, I use that word several times tonight. It's to build up. Often people try to tear down other people and discourage other people. What we have to say, or what we say to someone, is tremendously important. Uh, a word of encouragement can change a person's entire outlook, his attitude, or her actions. There are many examples of Jesus' tenderness, uh, but he was firm with those who did not know 
the scriptures. Uh, Jesus showed let me rephrase that. Jesus was tender but he was firm with those who did not know what the, God's plan was and what is necessary to get to heaven. But he showed them love and concern, and he loves those today that have not become Christians. He died for them as he died for you and me. I believe the most effective tool today to get someone's attention about the best way of life on this, our short journey in this life and the eternal life to come is having and showing love to that person. Uh, so, we'll end up. Reach out to those Christians who are struggling with love. Reach out to those who are in darkness and are not Christians with love. Let us do all we can to get others to heaven, whether they're rich, poor, sick, well, different, culture, ethnicity. Our love is a reflection of God's love. One of the greatest problems in this world is lack of love. We Christians, we Christians sing, rejoice, and be happy in this day. Who knows? This day may be the day the Lord returns here and takes us to our eternal home. Again, how exciting it is to wake up in the morning and wonder, is this the day I'm going to heaven? Blessings, yours.